Hello, Where Many Hats listeners. Oh, we've got a good one here for you today. This is this podcast we're about to do has been very long in the pipeline. I've been trying to get this gentleman on the podcast now for over five months. Five months he's resisted my charms. Can you believe it? Five months. Unbelievable. I'm really, really pleased to be joined today, drum roll please, by Blaine Callaby, Regional Director at MAP. How you doing, Blaine? Thank you very much. Thank you very much. I'm good. I'm good. So we finally got you here. Finally got me here. What yes. convinced, it's hard to pin me down. What convinced you in the end? What convinced me? <laughs> was it convincing? Was it my charming and wit? Was it around my diary? Was it my charming wit? Of course, yeah. Of course it wasn't. Yeah. That was it. That was it. <laughs> Fair enough, mate. Fair enough. How's your day been? It's been good. It's been good. Been yeah. busy. Any challenges today? Um, not challenges, but um, more like sort of fixing solutions and stuff. But yeah. yeah. But um, but yeah, been busy. Good man. That's yeah. what I like to hear. Should we get straight into it? Absolutely. All right. So I always like to start with. Um, you know, your career, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so you've had a very varied one, um, you know, and obviously that's all led up to where you are now yep. as regional director of MAP. So talk to us about the start. We, we want to find the out start. about how you got so into how the, you, the industry. How do you end up in facilities management? It's, yeah. it's an interesting one because um, I think you ask a lot of people and they just happen to fall into it. Yeah. I don't think anyone leaves school. I mean, maybe possibly nowadays, but I don't think any many people leave school and think, I know, I want to go and be a facilities manager, yeah. and I want to run buildings, and I want to run, I don't know, as we do, 194 buildings around the South region and stuff. Yeah, yeah. You don't don't think that at no. school. I didn't think that. I left no. school, didn't have a clue what I wanted to do. Yeah. Um, the first, one of my first jobs was an estate agent. Oh, I was really? 17, working for General Accident Property Services. <laughs> really? Hilarious, yeah. Still for about six months, sold yeah. three houses. Really? But, yeah. I did was, my I did my work experience. Do you remember Black Horse Agents? Oh yeah, yeah. I, did, I took a house up when I was fourteen. I was well proud of it. <laughs> I did the write up for it, the advertisement. Yeah, I, I still remember putting that on my CV when I was about eighteen. Yeah, it was hilarious. Isn't <laughs> I was really proud. It was really good though. It was my first exposure to work. I enjoyed it. Yeah, I, I yeah I didn't know what I wanted to do, so I was just like flitting around, and I was a graphic designer. I was a sign writer. Or I worked as a postman. Um, Royal Mail and yeah. um, and everything. I just didn't know what someone wanted to do. And yeah. then my mum once, um, one of her friends contacted her and said, I was playing sort of, not well, in between jobs, I suppose I was. Yeah. Um, and, and she said, oh, yeah, he is. She said, there's a job that's come up. She worked for a Swedish paper company in West right. Byfleet okay. in Surrey. Mm-hmm. Um, and she said, there's a job come up in the post room. Do you think Blaine would be interested? And I said, well, I've just sort of recently left the Royal Mail. So it yeah. should be quite easy to get that job. Yeah, that, used to be that's postman. right. That's right in my wheelhouse. I can exactly, take all day exactly, off. Yeah. So, so yeah. So went for that. Got that job. Yeah. Um, was in the post room, and I mean, it's just one of these things that this luck that happens that within six months, my boss, who was the facilities supervisor, left. Yeah. And they just said, "Well, do you want his job?" And I was like, "Okay." And he was running. It's like a five-story building. Um, I don't know, probably seventy thousand square foot or something like that. Do you know what bro? building? And it just, I just fell into it. And yeah, do you know something? I think you're the first person we've had on the show that actually started in the post room. <laughs> because, <laughs> yeah, but that's 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 like the dream, isn't it? The corporate dream: start in the post room, yeah, work yeah, your way work up. Your way up. You know, yeah, I think yeah. you're actually the first person that has actually started in that environment. It's really funny. There's a chap that used to be the director of marketing. Yeah. Um, at Modo Merchants, which was the company I worked for, the paper company. Yeah. And he he was somebody that started in the post room. And really? went about to a director. So it's good though, isn't and it? And I used to look at that and think, wow, that'd be an amazing thing to do. Yeah. And I've kind of done it now. You have. <laughs> How does it feel? <laughs> when, you, when, you, when you actually look back and you know, you're you're a bit like, oh wow. Yeah. That actually happened to me as well. Yeah, yeah. And and it's gone through many guises and stuff, and I think I've had 
probably 12 or 13 jobs in FM. Yeah. Really moving around and but going from soft services to hard services to um, sort of remote management of buildings in terms of when I also got into managing agents. Yeah. Because um, I used to look after a building on Southwark Bridge Road for 10 years. Right. Um, there. So it's, yeah, it's going through many guises, but that's what you just bolt all these things to you that gives yeah. you that experience. And yeah, and you just. I, I think that can be a benefit sometimes, you know, because I know, because like if you speak to a recruiter and you've jumped around, they go, oh, you've jumped around. Um, yeah. I don't really see it like that, though. I, I think sometimes, because you're getting different experiences from different organizations, which I think can sometimes make you stronger. Yeah, yeah. Uh, not all the time, obviously. You, yeah. you, could, you could be bouncing around for the wrong reasons. Um, but, you know, if you're bouncing around for the right reasons, um, you know, you're learning lots of different ways of working, yeah. you know, um, and I think that, that can sometimes be quite useful. And you always have to be very conscious of your CV. Yeah, you don't want to join a company and go right three months later. All right, I'll just leave that with no yeah. job. Yeah, you've got to think right. We've got you can any job. It can be bad, but you yeah. can do it for a couple of years. Yeah, I've had a few jobs like that. And you think right, this is wasn't hasn't been the right right move. So I'll do it for a couple of years, make yeah. it look good on the CV, then yeah. I'll move on. Yeah, yeah. Um, be quite pragmatic about it then. Basically. Yeah, yeah. You have to think about that. Yeah, but also you get that experience. Yeah. In Which those jobs, and they might sort of you might look back and think, "Oh God, I, don't, I, didn't, I hated that time there." But you still learned something from it. That's very true. It's very and true it's in the back of your head. So. Yeah. So how did you how did you find your first foray from the post room into a facilities management role? Was it was it a shock for you? Or? So I worked for this paper company for four years. Started in the post room. Yeah. When I got made redundant because the company merged with someone else. Right. Um, and the building got closed. So, but I was running 13 buildings around the country by the, after four years. Wow. So I was um, 22 or 23, I think at the time. That's impressive. Um, yeah. And, and looks after their whole fleet of cars. So there was about 140 cars I did. And I was I, in this position where I just, once I get comfortable in my role yeah, and I organize it and it's all going nicely, I think, right. So bolt something else onto me because mm. I could do that. And I could do that. I had mates at that, company that left yeah and i said to the financial director i said i could do his job as well as my job yeah and they said they gave me the fleet management yeah and, and any more money and he said as long as you can <laughs> he said as long as you can um save money then yeah. fine so i had a chat with lease plan as they were um and we used to do four-year leases or something i think on the cars yeah. i said well, let's reduce that to three and it saved 140 grand a year like, really wow um and just little things like that so yeah but but unfortunately, yeah, the deal was, um, yeah, if you can save money, then I'll give you a pay rise. Yeah. And then he left and I didn't get it in writing. Oh, no. <laughs> That's typical, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah. So what, um, yeah. I mean, we'll touch on things like ESG later on, but what mm. I'm quite interested on is, you know, I see that obviously from Modo, you joined Surrey County Council and you were there for a year, so you went from private yeah, yeah. to public. Yeah. Um, you know, what was, back then, what what, what was the, the main thing driving the industry? You know, because obviously now it's kind of ESG, environmental, things like that. Back then, what was driving the industry? I, to be honest, I don't actually know. In those right. days, I wasn't that passionate about FM. I was just sort of You're moving around. I was just there, yeah. moving around. Um, the big thing for me was when I uh, got made redundant, I didn't know what I wanted to do yeah. next. I didn't, I'd sort of like fallen into that FM role. Yeah. And I thought, well, is this going to be my career? I'm not sure. So, And you were still a young man then as well, weren't you? Well, exactly, yeah. I was like yeah. 22, 23 or something. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, so I thought to myself, well, Maybe I'll try something else. I used to do a lot of um, BT stuff um, mm. at that um, job. So I when you say BT, what do you mean? British Telecom. Oh, British Telecom. So right, okay. So I used to, um, so I used to be quite involved in that and sort of 
like sort of sorting out phone lines and all that sort of stuff and right, dealing, okay. dealing with sort of exchanges and a little bit and stuff. Yeah. So I thought oh, that'd be quite good fun. So I applied, when I got made redundant, I applied for a job with BT. Really? So I became a BT engineer. Did you? Up and down poles, in and out of holes in the ground and stuff, yeah. Really? Yeah, used to go up the top of the poles and ring my mates. <laughs> hanging off the pole, it used to be great fun, I used to love it. Tap on someone else's line, oh yeah, just use that line, ring my mates. Really? And stuff, yeah. Yeah, one of my mates used to say, oh, where are you? I'm like, 13 foot up a pole. <laughs> well, 30 foot probably, but yeah. But, um, but yeah, did that and yeah, and after about, I did all the training and stuff and after about a year I just thought, this isn't me. I, I need to go back to what I know. Yeah. Um, so I got a job. Um, I applied for a job actually for a company called Opus Four. Right. Um, they were kind of serving, kind of doing like a, it was. I think it was a service desk role. Right. Like managing calls coming through, all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Went for the interview. One of my questions was, "Who's your biggest client?" They said British Airways. Yeah. I was like, okay, cool. That's quite exciting. And then when they phoned me back, they said, "Sorry, you didn't get that job, but we want to offer you a job." British Airways. And I was like, wow, they want really? to put me into their biggest client. I was like, that's, yeah. that's amazing. Right. So it was only like an AFM role. Yeah. Um, but did that for about two years at yeah. um, Heathrow, just outside the, the, the airport, but they had a, a building there that had sort of massive warehouse and offices and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, so did that. And then from there, then moved to, um, to London kind yeah. of thing in terms of getting my job at Motor Bitsy Operations. Yeah. And, uh, and you were there, there a long for time. 10 years. Yeah, yeah, 10 years. Well, so you must nine, have really nine years and 364 days or something, I think it was. Was it? Yeah, because I tried to get my 10-year bonus, and they said, no, no, you've left the day before. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, God. So, 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 I mean, obviously, you know, I think your role was, the title was slightly different there. You were called technical manager, weren't yeah. you? Was, was that more of a sort of hybrid role, or was it? It was. It was my first sort of jump. Well, kind of. At British Airways, I was, I learned quite a lot of hard services, engineering yeah. and stuff. So then I took that technical role at, um, uh, motability and yeah. that was my 10 years in hard services pretty much really yeah, yeah running the M&E contracts um, we pretty much refurbished that whole building really um, from right. sort of like a sort of early 90s fit out to state of the art sort of thermal wheels and BMS's and like sort of state of the art stuff right so you implemented um, a lot of technology to support yeah, yeah, yeah. the facilities yeah. at the site okay how did, you find, how did you find that it was amazing yeah. Absolutely loving it. It was like a sponge, just really, yeah, just sucking it all in and learning so much. And yeah. obviously, with the project as well, you had a electrical foreman and a mechanical foreman as well, and you're just learning off them. Yeah, because I had a lot of knowledge about the building. I think they refurbed it after I'd been there about eight years. So right. my last couple of years was they were sort of when I left. Actually, I think they were still doing it. Really, um, finishing it off. But yeah, I learned so much from there. I'm yeah. still friends with one of the guys. Um, who lives in Spain? Mark oh. Ward is a lovely guy, right? Like okay. Electrical chap, and just yeah, yeah. talk talk me loads, yeah. Because you so, just ask the questions and just like, well, what's that doing? What about this? And what about that? And yeah. So, so did that did that role give you like a particular lean towards hard services then that you've yeah, maintained so. throughout the rest of your career? Yeah, yeah, definitely, yeah. definitely. Yeah, I, I I I'd say I'm much more hard service biased than I am. You are soft services, really. Yeah, you like the um, technical elements. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. I'd love to get your hands on a BMS and yeah. work out how a building works. Um, yeah, and you, I think it's a thing you can fix things with technology. Yeah, because uh, a decent BMS with good strategy and everything, you can get on that BMS. You can just play around with it. You're not going to break it. Yeah, you can play around with it and and work things out. And yeah, sit down with a BMS engineer for half a day, like as I used to at Motability, and yeah. they just used to give me my own login eventually because they just said, well, you know what you do now, so you might as well, might as well change that or talk me yeah. through it over the phone yeah. and stuff. Let's save a bit of money sending an engineer out. We've got Blaine on site. Exactly, yeah, Blaine's on site. <laughs> I bet you didn't ask for more money for that either, did no, you? No, 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 I didn't. 
All for love. Yeah, all for love. For love. Brilliant. And then um, after, after obviously, you, you left Microbility, um, which sounded like a role that you enjoyed, and then you joined um, Workspace Group. Yeah. Um, as a cluster facilities manager. So I'm guessing you were looking after, um, you know, quite a few buildings. Really yeah, yeah. I think I had three or four right. uh, with them. So it was my first time of sort of out of single site uh, management as to being a remote FM. I wasn't home based, but I was sort of between three or four buildings. Yeah. Um, so they were just building their first sort of FM team. Right. They used to have centre managers that used to do the FM side of things in those buildings. Yeah. Um, and they were just building up an FM team. So I think I was maybe the first or second FM they recruited. Right. They ended up with about like seven of them. Oh, really? The end. Yeah. Um, right. Sort of across London. Yeah. I think Workspace had about 110 buildings or something like that, I think, around oh, wow. London. So so they needed to sort of have those FMs that could look after yeah. all that. So it was tricky because it's one of those things where you're sort of transitioning yeah. and you've got to sort of, sort of say to these centre managers, right, well, actually, you don't need to do that anymore. We've got someone in that's going to do this and that's mm. their profession as such. Yeah. Um, so it was a lot of sort of diplomatic conversation yeah the politics i suppose yes politics we all love which was tricky but i mean but they were nice people and yeah you can understand it they sort of all of a sudden these guys are coming in and not necessarily taking their jobs but but saying actually no don't do it that way do it this way yeah well we've done it that way for five years so what's wrong with that so well it's probably best you do it this way (laughs) so and and sometimes winning hearts and minds as they say exactly effective exactly so 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 in that role was that was that kind of your I know that obviously you've been at um, Mike Billy, but was that kind of your first foray into that sort of uber corporate world within London? Or I'd say so. Yeah, 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 yeah definitely. Was was that an in, was that a difficult transition for you? Because whenever you when you whenever you're anywhere for a long time, I think it's very hard to go somewhere else. That, oh, ne- yeah, that next role is really really difficult. So was that transition quite difficult for you? I think it was at first. Yeah, yeah, because um, you're almost indoctrinated. Yes, in, I mean you've been somewhere for ten years, and you just you just know. You're only thinking about that building as well. You, yeah, you've got your comfort zone of all your contractors around you, and and you can just fix problems really quickly. And yeah. all of a sudden, you're remote. You'll run a building, and there's another building, maybe ten miles away, that's yeah. got a problem. And you sort of almost want to be there because yeah. that's that's sometimes what I think as well with FMs that that you have get certain FMs that can do homework in remote management, manage twenty four buildings um, remotely, and you get ones that can't do that because yeah. they can't let go. Right, and they want to be on every single site at the same time to yeah. give it a hundred percent. Yeah, and I don't think you can do that when you're doing remote management because it will just no. burn you out completely. Yeah, um, and you've got to have trust in your contractors, um, trust in tenants as well, have good relationships with them so yeah. that they can be your eyes and ears on site. So was that um, something that you found you learned specifically in that role? That yeah, I think you, so. You definitely. had to you had to learn because I'm guessing you probably found it quite difficult to let go to begin with. Did you? Yeah. Yeah, and I think in in workspace there was centre managers that were expecting me to be there. So I think from memory there was a lift problem in a building once, right? And they said, "Well, why aren't you on site?" I was like, "Well, I can't fix the lift. You need yeah. to get the contractor out." There's, yeah. Me being on site is not going to make any difference to that. That's true. It's it's out. We can isolate it. There's we used to have sort of caretakers and stuff on these buildings. You can yeah. isolate it, but you can't. I can't do anything about it. Me being there is not going to fix that problem. Yeah. Um, and and that that was the difference I think between somebody that's used to being on site to kind of manage a problem, yeah. As opposed to send a contractor there, there'll be someone there, communication, communication with people, yeah. And they'll go and fix it. So you were bringing kind of a different a different set of experiences that you yeah. 
in, into a, into a new it's, role. So yeah. you you kind of, I guess, rewriting the rewriting the specifications, I suppose, to a certain extent in terms of how that role should be performed. I think so. Yeah, and that's yeah. the difference between how they were managing it before and mm-hmm. how it's probably managed now. Yeah, I would think. I mean, this was what eight years ago or nine years ago now. Yeah, I think so. And I think yeah, they've they probably learned that that they only that that's just evolved. That FM team's probably evolved. Yeah, and they just crack on and yeah, they've got trust in their contractors and they yeah. know that all their guys aren't going to be there. And I, I would think COVID's probably changed that a bit as well. Yeah, I would have thought um, so. in terms of that. But yeah. it's, it's that sort of hybrid working that I've done for nearly ten years now, kind of like yeah. working from home, um, yeah. but working remotely and managing those sites. Yeah, but yeah. So yeah. I've always sort of used the analogy of running buildings as like plate spinning, basically. Yes. It's a bit like the podcast, and it wear many hats. Yeah. It, it's what hat do I put on now? But that's why it's called wear many hats. To be fair, exactly. <laughs> that's the reality. So, yeah. yeah, but it's yeah. it's very much plate spinning. You just got yeah. right. Give that a little bit of attention. Give that a bit of attention. Just make sure they don't all fall down. Okay, so from from workspace, you moved into um, the world you are now, which is obviously the managing agent space. Yeah, um, and joined joined what could only be described as a bit of a juggernaut in the industry. The big green machine. The as big they green call it. machine. Yes. CBRE. Um, obviously, you joined them as an RFM um, initially. You know, you were then promoted to senior FM. Um, so, t- t- tell us a little bit about that. Um, I mean, I see that you were looking after twenty multi-tenancy properties in the southeast. Looking at what I know about CBRE, they were probably all quite sizable. Um, yeah, so, yeah. so you know, that, that's a very challenging role. Tell, tell us about your experience yeah, within that environment. The, the sort of like open your eyes wide kind of kind of moment. Yeah. With that was that um, going into a company that was doing it the right way. Right, they've okay. been doing it. They had a, a service desk or a help desk yeah. man, sort of twenty four seven, and yeah. and all the sort of background notes and every building all written up and everything. So a help help desk person can answer the phone and just sort of have all the details in front of them. They know who to send to site for certain emergencies, all that sort of stuff. Mm. Um, and it was just really well sort of thought out and managed, and it just worked. And well, um, so so yeah, and it, and it basically just means that you can manage those twenty odd buildings, yeah, um, as one person, yeah, and. And yeah, and not be running around like an absolute sort of madman trying to trying to do it all. Yeah, imagine like 20, 20 plates trying to spin twenty plates. You can't do yeah. that. Yeah, oh, no. if you can, if you've got good support behind you and good sort of processes and procedures and mm. and everything, then yeah, then it works really well. Yeah. So, how many people at that at that time um, would you have been? Because obviously, I'm guessing you're, you know, you're managing building managers, assistant building managers, things like that. How many people were you responsible for? So when I got promoted to SFM at CBRE. I think I had a team of about five or six. Right. It wasn't massive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But under them, though, they've got AFMs, they've got yeah. reception staff, they've got yeah. contractors as well. Cleaners, security so officers, yeah, things like guess, that. Yeah, yeah. He's a bit of a beast. But yeah, um, but it was great. actually loved my time at CBO. Yeah, because you were there for um, about seven years? Five, five years. Five years. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. No so what, um, I mean, obviously, CB- CBRE is quite a big beast. I'm, I'm guessing their processes are quite, um, you know, very well drilled very you know yeah, yeah, yeah. What, did, did you learn anything with regards to how to adequately manage um sites just off the back of being within the big green machine as you call yeah, it? i think it was probably the first time using a proper sort of compliance system in terms right. they used to use william martin's meridian right. system um so it, so in that that regiments you as to what you've got to do most of the time because all your kind of diary um is set out in that compliance system, as in all yeah. the anniversary dates of when all your 
and checks and stuff are, are due and sort of water risk assessments and fire risk assessments and everything. It's all laid out for you. Yeah. As such, so when you get that building, right, that's all laid out. So that needs to be done then. That needs to, needs to be done then. Yeah. You've got your actions to deal with and you've got your contractors as well. So it all sort of filters down and almost gives you a, a plan of how to manage that building. Right. Really. Okay. It's almost laid out. I mean, obviously, if there's a new building that comes in, you're the one that's got to make that plan. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> So yeah. It, it, it can be really difficult and really tricky, um, but depending on the building. Yeah. Um, but once you've got that plan and you've got all the tools to help you make that plan. Yeah. All right. <laughs> okay, so we've kind of gone through like the first part of your career and, and, and before we move on to the next part, um, I've got a bit of a two-part question for you, really. Um, during that early stage of your career, you know, what did you find the most challenging? Okay. Um, but also, during the, what was the most rewarding? Client feedback, I think, is an amazing, rewarding thing to get. Yeah. Um, when you're just sort of plodding along, doing your job to the best you can, and you treat it, say you've gone through a process of, um, I don't know, a certain situation of maybe selling a building for the client, with yeah. the client selling the building, and you're trying to help them do that, or you're doing a project um, and you're managing that project for them. Mm-hmm. Then, when you don't expect to that, get that client feedback, and they're head over heels with what you've done, then it's fantastic, and yeah. it's just so rewarding. You want to do it again, right? And you want to say, right, give me more projects, or do this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You just want to get get sort of, and you just want to please them basically. Because yeah. end of the day, I'm very much of the opinion of one team. It's a huge thing for me that you just all want to get everyone working together. I think a one team ethos is critical in that environment, yeah, isn't it? Really, yeah. you know, if you've got sort of people that aren't getting on with each other then it's infighting and it just all works against each other. Yeah. Windmills at dawn, no good. Exactly, <laughs> exactly, not, yeah. Not going to talk. Yeah. What, you know, what did you find the most challenging during that sort of stage of your career? Um, I mean, I don't want to say I didn't feel challenges. I yeah. thought we've sort of, you get a challenge, you feel it as, you kind of treat it as as a challenge, as in, right, I'm going to do this. I need to overcome it. I need to come and crack on. Yeah. And I mean, FMs are very much the solution providers yes. for, for that. And you're constantly got problems being thrown at you and you're the one that's got to come up with the solutions yeah. and adapt and work out how the best way to do it. And, mm. and I love that. That's what keeps me going, I think. Right, really, okay. In terms of just, it's that sort of problem-solving thing. Yeah, so no, no, no does How can I fix it? Yeah. And if you've got great suppliers behind you and contractors, then they're there to help you and you're they're part of that one team Surveyor's part of that one team. Client's part of that one team. And yeah. you just all work as one. Yeah. And it should just work really, really smoothly. Right. Um, and you just move to that goal. And I mean, yeah. really, if it's working really well, client's really happy, then they're going to give you more business, more buildings. They're going to buy more buildings. Yeah, and they're going to come to you. And it just gets them. bigger and bigger. So. Yeah, yeah, of course, yeah. Okay. So if you were, um, I mean, we've got to this stage of your career. Um, back then, you know, 2019, um, if if you were to give some advice to somebody moving into the industry based on your experience up to that point, what would that advice be? Uh, qualify your knowledge is my biggest thing. Okay. I I think I got to, I've been in the industry about eighteen years, yeah, and I didn't have any qualifications in it. Which oh, just was, a, you end up with your IOS managing safely and yeah. going loads of training courses and fire safety and everything. But, yeah, yeah, but and and some great courses like major incident training where you're firing AK-47s and understanding what actually happens if terrorists were to break into your building and stuff. But the best thing is going on to IWFM. Right. Um, And I did my um, diploma um, when I was at CBRE, which they funded Mm -hmm. um, and put 
quite a few of us together on one sort of team. Right. And we did that. And it took two years to do it, like 60,000 words and everything to do the sole diploma. But it was amazing. Really? It gave me my letters after my name to basically sh show to people, yeah, he knows what he's talking about. Yeah, he's technically he's, he's proficient. Done, he understands yeah. it. And it's great. I, th I recommend it to anyone. And the great thing is, even if you've only been, say, in FM for a couple of years, if you've got a CV that you can show, you can give that to IWFM, and they'll say what level you can go in at. Oh, really? So I went in at level four. There's obviously one, two, and three. Before yeah. that, there's five after that. Hmm. And there's even masters as well, I think you can do yeah. on it. And it's just, yeah, it's just great. It's rewarding. And, and it quantifies your knowledge. Yeah. And obviously teaches you a lot of stuff as well. I mean, I've been in FM for 18 years when I did it, but it taught me a lot just, yeah. if, just from doing that. But it okay. also qualifies my knowledge as well. Well, I think that's really good advice, mm. to be fair. So how did how, just sort of staying with that, how did you find completing that whilst also doing the day job in terms of the Very time hard. allocation? Really? Yeah. Right, okay. Yeah, we were given five study days at CBRE. Is that um, what, per annum? Uh, no, I think over the two years. Oh, really? Actually, oh, right, okay, so yeah. 2.5 days a year. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. So, and, and I think for the first year, we sort of thought, oh, yeah, this is going to be all right. Mm. And now group, and we were getting together every now and then. Then we had mentors that were going to help us through it and stuff. And the first year, we didn't really do as much as we should do. Yeah. And then it started getting sort of close, well, not close to the end of the second year, but second year started, and it was like, I think everyone sort of checked up and said, right, so how's, how's everyone getting on? Yeah. And it was like, well, we haven't done much, really. It's like, do you realise what you've got to do? Yeah. <laughs> and we were like, wow. Um, so then we really hunkered down and yeah. Yeah, started taking my own annual leave and all sorts of stuff just to literally, right. you needed a day off to write up certain essays and yeah. and that to really hunker down and do it. Yeah. Um, would, would you say the knowledge that you had in the industry the 18 years beforehand, did that help or hinder? No, it definitely helped. Definitely, definitely helped. helped. Because sometimes yeah. it's like when you... Um, you know, if you've driven a car for 80, you get some bad habits, don't you? Yeah, you yeah. Know, is it, it, yeah would it be a similar a scenario? Bit of that, but, it, but it was a lot of understanding um, what they meant in a lot, a lot of the questions and stuff. It's just like, yeah, I know what that's about. Mm. I've done that. I've done that project or project management in here, financial management in here, budgets, things like that. It just, it goes through every single possible element of FM yeah. that you can be involved in. Um and and yeah, it taught you it taught me quite a lot as well in terms really? of like capex, how all that works and stuff. And I didn't used to get that involved in capex, yeah, um, projects and things like that. But yeah, it just yeah, really really. So so it's proved to be a very useful tool for the remainder of your career. And I'm, I'm guessing it also helped you take that next step into an associate director role with Avison Young, I believe. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So talk to us a little bit about that. So yeah, so Avison Young, um, I was brought in there by a senior director. That I used to work with at CBRE, mm. um, said, fancy coming over and joining us. We're working on this. Yep. And there was a certain client that used to um, be with CBRE. They were looking to try and encourage them over to them. Okay. So they said, right, well, if you come over, then we can um, look to set you up on your own region, basically. And right. when that client comes over, then you can manage that and recruit the FMs and everything and, and do that, which is almost similar to what I'm doing now, really. But yeah, yeah. that was what was kind of promised as such. But then they didn't win the clients. <laughs> oh, right, okay. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it, it, it that tends to put of, a scupper in the works, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, <laughs> it does. Yeah. So then you're sort of in a little bit of limbo, sort of, um, oh, God, what do I do now? <laughs> exactly. And I, I don't think they knew, knew what to do with me, really. They were just like, all right, so what do we do? What do we do with this? I mean, I had a, had a manager there that was quite funny. She always used to have a one-to-one -one with her and she'd say, right, so so what's happening? Because yeah. I was talking to more senior people than her, she was. Yeah. So yeah, she didn't really know what to do with me, don't think. Oh, <laughs> which was which was funny because she was a lovely lady. But, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. 
but it was yeah, it was tricky for her, I think. To, yeah, of course. To yeah. manage someone that she didn't really need to manage. Yeah. Really. Um That can so, be yeah. tough though, can't it? To be fair. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. Know? So there was yeah, there was only a certain sort of time that I could spend there and I just thought this isn't gonna pan out to, to much. Yeah. So But that um, happens sometimes, doesn't it? Absolutely. You know, um, oh it does. And, and as I said, you go to you go in different jobs and you end up taking something from it. You learn some things. Yeah. Yeah. There. Very true. And that kind of leads us on to where you are now. Um yeah. obviously joined um, MAP as Associate Director, then promoted to Regional Director very quickly as well, actually. I might yeah, add. yeah. So congratulations yeah. on that. Thank you. Um, and, you know, talk us a little bit through through your role now, and then and then we're going to get into a few juicy questions. Juicy questions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, so, um, yeah, I, I heard quite a lot about MAP. I was um, hearing from some people inside MAP and how passionate they were about it, and that they, they, they're very much about property management. They're not about sort of being... Um, letting agents as well and, yep. and all these sort of other bits and pieces that other managing agents do. So it's quite focused. Yeah. yeah. It's about the, about the PM, about managing the asset. Yeah. 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 Um, basically. Okay. And as long as we do that right, then we're, we're winning basically. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, so I, I joined in, um, in January, yep. um, as an associate director. Um, and yeah, I didn't expect my boss to leave within the first three months. <laughs> it was almost like deja vu when I first came into the FM industry, really. Yeah, 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 but, it does, yeah. Um, so yeah, so I got his job. Well, there we go. <laughs> so to, Another one. Yeah. That's happened to you twice. <laughs> it's happened twice, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, You've got full circle, Blake. Exactly, oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So yeah, so it's a bit tricky because I mean, you ideally when you're going to get promoted within a company then you're sort of thinking right well maybe after a year or two you've sort of got to know the company you know sort of know you're comfortable in your role and you know what you're doing yeah um it's a bit tricky sort of after sort of six months getting promoted and and then going all right so so how do we do this and how do we do that because you're still yes. learning how That's to true. do things but all of yeah, a sudden yeah. you're a director and there's a lot more higher level decisions to make and of course you might not exactly know how the company's uh doing things or how they're managing certain yeah. situations so so yeah so it's it's massive learning curve it yep. starts to get up to speed and and that but but i'm really enjoying it. it's it's great okay cool good stuff so because because i believe map has recently become an eot hasn't it they have yeah employee-owned yeah. trust yeah that's pretty impressive which is fantastic yeah it's yeah. great it's great news because i think there was um concerns of what they were going to do with the business whether mm. they sell it whether they get bought out or, or sort of whatever was to happen with it and it's basically guaranteed the future of that company no, let's put that, it in the that's employee really hands, impressive, isn't it? that's absolutely you know that's so i think it's probably one of the first in all right is, is it the so. first possibly yeah I mean, there's not i think quite a few companies are going down that route to protect their companies yeah to make sure that it, it sticks to its values and and keeps the owner's values at heart really yeah um which i think is yeah really important yeah, I, I can't remember. There's a couple of other companies recently that have done it. Well, listen, a very, very career, Blaine. Um, <laughs> and, and thank you for, for sharing your experiences with us. I guess one thing that, that, that we do like to touch on on the show is, you know, environmental, social and governance. Mm-hmm. Um, we touched on it briefly, obviously, in terms of um, how you felt that was in, and it wasn't really there, you know, as we yeah, probably yeah. know anyway. You know, how, how, how do you see that impacting... Um, I guess your role specifically over the next, let's say, two, three, three, five years, something like that. Um, I think it's obviously massively high on a lot of clients' agendas in terms mm. of investment funds and that that own these buildings, and and I think there is a lot of um, scope. Well, not necessarily scope is the right word, but there's a lot of pressure. I think from there because I think there's 
um, tax relief and all sorts of sort of government schemes is to there help really? them. Right, okay. Yeah, as, as, as I don't exactly know that, but I'm yeah, pretty yeah, sure yeah. there is. Um, there's lots of sort of uh, boxes to tick. Right. Um, particularly in, in terms of wellness as well. You can get yeah. these sort of wellness packages like Well Gold and stuff like that when you've got new buildings um, mm. and that. I did that for um, some clients in Kennedy Wilson um, at CBRE right. where they were sort of refurbishing their buildings and then they were going for these wellness certificates, right. um, which is when um, once tenants move in, then there's just so much sort of managed for them as such to the point of almost how to wash your hands and oh, just, really? just guidance and stuff yeah. to, to look after these people, right? Um, uh, well, basically inside inside their buildings. Yeah. Okay. So, how 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 do you see it evolving? Um, I think it's already evolved, really. Right. In in terms of ESG, um, there's a hell of a lot of work that we do at Map on that. On terms of our clients, we've got uh, one of our clients with pretty much there's a meeting every six weeks hmm. about ESG. Right. And, and there's trackers and stuff to make sure that all those sites are working towards planting more trees, putting yeah. bird boxes on sites, um, looking after tenants in terms of wellness as well. Yeah. Um, as in the, like the social aspects of it, mm. um, to make sure, like say having bike stations so they can do puncture repairs and all that sort of stuff yeah, rather yeah. than just saying there's a bike shed, crack yeah. on sort of thing. So it's, yeah, it's, it's very much part of the ethos in terms of, um, in terms of map. And yeah. how we manage on a day-to-day basis and our clients i think clients are coming to us and i think we're winning business because they know that yeah and that's what encourages them and sort of excites them about map yeah because um, you guys have been doing it a long time so yeah because yeah, you guys are a b corp company aren't you b corp yeah. Yeah, certified yeah yeah which, which is a great is accreditation to get yeah, yeah. it's not you know it's quite an exacting standard as well mm. yeah um you know and I mean, there's a lot that goes on to keep that as well yeah that's there the is thing. yeah you can't yeah. have any greenwashing no. Um, which goes along with that, so it's a, it's a yes, yeah, a huge thing to make sure that we keep it. Yeah, um, which is fantastic. Well, you've got to change your articles of association and everything, haven't you? Exactly. To yeah. to, to be able to get the standard, so it's um, very yeah, impressive. Yeah. So well done, you know, yeah, to yeah. you guys for having that. Yeah, no, thank you. I don't think there's many uh, managing agents out there actually that have it either. I don't think there is. No, no. Okay, well, brilliant. Okay, so my favourite question. I love this one because everybody answers it differently. Um, artificial intelligence. Mm. <laughs> What do you think? Are our toasters <laughs> going to eat us in the future? What do you think? <laughs> I think... How's it going to impact FM? I think, in, your view? in terms of AI, I think in terms of BMSs on the hard services side, I think it could be massive right. because it can learn how a building operates. Mm. And I think with the right technology, sensors, everything in the right places, yeah. with AI, then, yeah, give it maybe five, ten years you could have buildings that are just the AI system or the BMS is just like, I think years back, BMS is, they were good. Um, or even BEMS as well, like building energy management systems, you have right. that. But I think the AI part will massively help that yeah. energy management system yeah. run a building because they better know everything will be linked up. You link up the access control to the BMS and everything. So then the access control almost to the point where you beep and go in the building then the AI sort of analytics and stuff of that would go, all right, so that's Blaine Callaby. He's going to go to his desk on that floor. We need to make sure that that area is a suitable temperature yeah. um, for that. Or you could almost program it to learn when there's going to be a gathering, because it would probably end up learning itself yeah. that there's a gathering in, say, just outside this window in that sort of large area there. Mm. And it seems to happen at four o'clock every 
Thursday or something. Yeah. So then the systems would start learning and going, okay, well, that, we'll need to adjust that. Yeah. Because that was all of a sudden there's going to be 30 people in that area and it's going to get quite hot. Yeah. And it will just learn. So I think it's huge. And I mean, I'm quite sure there's probably trend BMSs that are doing that already. But I think it can only I mean, get. I mean, I, th- I would have thought the developers will be out there trying to trying to break the back of it right now, won't they? I'm to, sure it happens already. To utilize the systems, but it's it's um, not cheap. Obviously, that's no, no, no. And you've got no. state of the art buildings and great, but mm. um, then you've got to maintain it uh, to make sure those standards yeah. are kept exactly. So, do you? Um... Oh, I've lost my chain of thought. I had a question just um, just on that in terms of the AI thing. I don't think it's going to take FM's jobs away as such. Right. It's going to be a tool that's going to help us yeah, manage yeah. buildings better and yeah. possibly take the problems away. Because right. the age-old problem of FM's always having issues from tenants saying hot and cold, yeah. then it can take those things away because it will learn how that, that space needs to be managed. That will be quite cool, though, won't it? I think, I think that would be, be amazing. Cool. Yeah. It would be amazing because it would help us usually and it would reduce so many call-outs. And everyone knows in a building... Um, you go to a certain spot and it's, oh, it's always a bit hot here or it's always a bit cold there. Yeah. Then if you can get on top of that using AI, it would be huge. Yeah. Yeah, without a doubt. So in, t- in terms of, you know, your, your clients with respect to AI, are they talking to you about that too? Um, are they asking questions about that in terms of no, landlords? I wouldn't say that? actively. Maybe right. at more senior levels they might be. Um, I mean, we've got a building consultancy team and a technical services team Mm. Um, at MAP and yeah and those are conversations that they'll probably be having with them right Um, but I think it's gearing up for at some stage to present to the client how AI is going to start being a thing yeah um, in in FM and I think um, Nigel MAP recently sort of said about it and they've touched on it on a few town halls recently about AI so it's something we're thinking about right um, and in the building consultancy team and technical services that they're thinking about as well so it's on the agenda definitely yeah Um, and it's I think it's working out the moment how it can help yeah and how can we as a company say right well we're gonna start doing it that way Mm. Uh, because there's yeah I think there's huge scope um, to embrace it right okay okay so moving back now pivoting um, to learning and development. I know that obviously um, we, we, we've spoken about the likes of IWFM and, yeah. and things like that. In the early part of your career, um, and this is specifically to assist people that are looking to move into facilities, um, wh- what did you do from a learning perspective? Were you... We, we went on every course I was possibly offered. Really? Yeah. Right, okay. Always, yeah, always. I, I mean, I haven't, I haven't done much training massively in the last sort of couple of years because yeah. I'm sort of getting to a level where Yes, you need to keep up to date. Well, yeah, you either finish that. You don't need to, mate. You know what I mean? Just, uh, but no, you do. You still need, you still need to be doing it. And I'm going to be looking at doing a knee bosh um, soon. Oh, so knee bosh. I want to do that, so, oh, which I think one. is an important thing to have. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, just if, you, if you're at a right company and they've got lots of training and obviously lots of people nowadays have modules and stuff that you can just go through yeah. and go to the training section and, and that and, and do that. But, but yeah, just embrace it as much as you possibly can yeah i think just to keep up to speed and and also to um if you're young coming into the industry then i think it's fantastic because that's that's a massive sort of um, part to learn yeah basically um it's all that just laid, laid out for you so it's just say yeah i'll do that course i'll do that course i'll do that course yeah and just bolt it on from there yeah so would you would you recommend to individuals you know to to, to start in positions that you kind of started in like post room security cleaners you know you, you do see quite a few people in these roles moving up through the industry you know i, I know a lot of people they've either been security guards or or, yeah, yeah. or concierges or 
post room now with you. Yeah. Um, that that have moved into is is that a good route? Do you think as well? I think it's a route where you kind of like properly start at the bottom as yeah. such in terms of that. But it's a it's a great place. I mean, the thing is nowadays I don't think post rooms exist. I mean, blimey, when I was in a post room, email didn't exist. So yeah. it was well, a case of if the CEO secretary wanted to send a, a note out to everyone, she came down with a massive pile of memorandums yeah. all sort of folded in half and you have to put them all in the pigeonholes and yeah. and everyone wouldn't find out for like a day later well i think if there was an urgent message to go out i think post rooms aren't necessarily <clears throat> about posts these days it's about people's amazon parcels isn't it well yeah it's stuff that they're getting <laughs> exactly. delivered to the office from home <laughs> do you know what i mean and if yeah. rita doesn't get her blusher she yeah. Knows she's, yeah someone's gonna go mental so i think that that's actually a far more responsible job these days to be fair you know? Yeah, it, it, it's it's funny, but I mean, yeah, it's the how things have evolved, isn't it? But it I mean, is. nowadays it's just everyone lives by their by their email. It is crazy, though. Who'd have thought what twenty twenty odd years ago that we'd be just basically our inbox is is our work? Yeah, I, that's how I do my work. I've yeah, and things unread. That's my to do list basically. It is. That's how, that's how I operate it. But but yeah, but I mean, yeah, I, I think really anyone sort of coming into the industry. I th- you can start from anywhere, in a way. Yeah. Um, and as I said at the beginning, you, you kind of just fall into it. Yeah. Really, if you like it and you like the fact that you never get the same day twice. Yeah. Then it's for you. And if you're a good organizer, because you've got to be a good or- organizer to be an FM, then you'd be really well suited. I think. So. Yeah. So what's what's the one thing about the industry that that really keeps you motivated? What's the one thing that keeps you interested in? Yeah. I think, as I just said, I think it's that you never get the same day twice. Yeah, you get that variety. There's always different challenges. There's always different problems to solve, which is great, and that's what keeps you going. Yeah, is that, it, and you get such a buzz when you've got quite a big problem to sort of go and get your head around and work out. And sometimes, yeah, you can sit back briefly and just think, right, okay, so I'm going to do this. Yeah, and then you just go, right, go. You do that. You do that. You do that. Right, let's go and do this. Yeah, and sort it out, and then, then at the end of the day, you've sorted it all out, and it's amazing because then you just get a big buzz. Yeah, going, fantastic, and and it's not from anyone giving you a pat on the back because you don't get that because you're no. an FM. You only <laughs> you, you, you only ever get get that. Why doesn't that work? Why doesn't this work? No yeah. one rings you and goes, "Oh, lifts are working fantastic today." Thank yeah, you very well much. Done. <laughs> but you don't do it to get a pat on the back. You yeah. you give your own self a pat on the back because you get a buzz yeah. from fixing that problem, and sometimes without anyone knowing yeah. that there was a problem, and yeah. that's what's perfect because then you're like this one. And you're just guiding along, say a building's just guiding along, and the FMs underneath are just pedaling like crazy, like swans, swans like on a swans. pond. Exactly, exactly. All right. So, what about things like um, you know, have you had any you know mentors in your career that have that have kind of assisted you to get to where you need to be? I think in terms of technical management, yes. Yeah. There was a chap, David Manners, that I used to work with, uh, uh, Motability. Right. Um, he was the FM for the building. Um, and he was massively technically led, and a yeah. lot of knowledge as well. Yeah. Um, and he was always sort of pushing, oh, yeah, go and read that, or go and read that manual, look at this, and see how you can do that. And that's kind of, he probably guided me into that sort of hard services thing. Yeah. Um, which was great. I learned loads from him. Yeah. Um, and from his sort of encouragement, and learned lots from that as well. So. Yeah. And you kind of got to where you are now. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's. That, that motability stint of 10 years yeah. of soft and hard, but being in the FM team, I mean, there was a soft services um, 
department as such, I suppose, a couple of guys in that. There was me doing technical, there was the FM over the top of it, and then there was like a senior senior person as well yeah. reporting into the board. And you you just with that team there was a post room there as well, a couple of guys in there. Yeah. Um and and yeah, you just and you just sort of tried to plow the road. Yeah. And just crack on. And so it sounds like it was a really good anchor role for you and, and it your was, yeah. And yeah. It, you know, it's, it sounds that you've learned a lot from there that you still use today in the yeah. everyday. Yeah, yeah, I'd say so. Particularly yeah, you, you, you sort of almost think back when you've got problems with a building. You always sort of think back to, how did that work in that yeah. building? Because that's, it was, I think it was 10, 10 floors. Right. Um, basement and a, and a roof as well, and a roof plant room. Because that's the thing, when they did the roof, they moved all the plants from the basement up to the roof. So they just sort of flipped it kind of on its head. That's but so you could basically run the building. Yeah but still do the project because you're putting the new plant on the roof and then you're yeah, turning yeah. off the old plant in the basement. So yeah. it was a huge project, but big job, but great fun. And, and that's it, yeah. being involved in that project. I wanted to be much more involved. I wanted to try and project manage it if I could, but yeah. didn't really have the experience to do that. Right. Um, so I kind of got very heavily involved in the sidelines because mm. it used to be funny. They used to have project meetings, um, which I wasn't kind of included in, yeah. but then the foreman, um, for the mechanical and the electrical would then come and meet me afterwards and right. say, right, so in the meeting, no one knew what this was, no one knew what that was, so we need to ask you where it is and what it does because yeah. we're going to rip it out. <laughs> yeah, 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 of course, yeah. And it yeah. was just hilarious. So I learned so much from that. Wow. Um, really and it's just, yeah, it's all in the back of your head. Yeah, yeah. Such. And yeah, I mean, I think probably not as familiar with a BMS as I used to be Yeah. Um, when I used to pretty much do the strategies and all that They're sort of stuff. They're probably very different but, now as well. Yeah, they are. Fair, they are. But, I mean, it's a technology that moves very rapidly, isn't it? Yeah, but I mean, yeah. you'd be surprised how many times you go into a building nowadays and it's still got a BMS system that's from like 1999 or something. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and you think, yeah. all right, I remember this. Yeah. But, and it's not supported anymore and all that sort of thing. Yeah. Like, wow, should have been replaced about 10 years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. And just kind of one final thing, um, you know, has has networking formed a part of your career? And if it has, um, you know, what advice would you have um, for people in that space? Um, yeah, networking, I think, is huge. Right. I think it's, it's something that was possibly discouraged from me at Motability. Really? Um, yeah, just in terms of the, sort of like the one hour. They knew you were talented, and they didn't want anybody getting out of you. They'd have you out, you know? It was that sort of thing of just like, right, one hour for your lunch break and all that sort of stuff. But yeah, yeah. you want to go and have lunch with a contractor or something and you want to learn from them and discuss it. It's not as if you're having that lunch and you're talking about, I don't know, your holidays or whatever. You're, you're yeah. talking about work and you're networking. You're getting yeah, to know course. those people. And, and to the point, I think eventually there, it's just a case of, right, well, I won't do it during work hours. I'll do it after work and we'll mm. network that way. Yeah. And you just get to know so many people. Yeah. Um, and yeah, we used to use Norla managed services a lot, right? Like Motability, doing projects with them and all sorts of stuff. And yeah, and yeah, just learned so much from them as well in terms of doing those projects. And they're almost like a a, a library of knowledge of those guys, and they know right. so much. And yeah, you can just bounce things off them, which yeah. is great. But but yeah, I definitely um, I'm on board with networking and getting on with contractors and everything because. Yeah, yeah. So you, you need contractors. You need you right, to, sure. through that networking stuff. You've got a major problem that I mean, I think years ago I had a massive problem where a um, what was it? There was a fuse that went in a board that was powering the comms room right. of motability operations. So yeah. security phone up middle of the night and they just say, uh, "So the comms room's just dead. There's nothing on there in there at all." I mean, there was about probably 200 servers or something. It was a big old comms room. Yeah. And it's just like, oh my god, 
<laughs> um, so events like sort of rush and get training and get to site and everything and engineers are there and stuff and sort of classic sort of turn up engineers there scratching his head you know like, oh, great here we go he's like oh, well, so you need the 200 amp fuse is blown in in that so you're gonna have to go off site and get it but the shop doesn't open until eight o'clock and blah 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 blah. i was like screw that the lifts run on 200 amp fuses so take <laughs> that fuse out so take the lifts out stick it in there get that comes from going yeah um and and it's that that thing i've probably gone off topic but it's that thing of just like then you get that buzz that you've just done that fair enough yeah, yeah. people had to walk up eight eight flights of stairs or something to get to their yeah, but that's good for them anyway man. but when they no, got there the computer yeah. works exactly yeah and that's good for them let's be honest absolutely I mean? absolutely yeah you know the, the government wants us to walk ten thousand steps a day and if you're doing it upstairs you can double it you know <laughs> That's the view I take anyway. <laughs> okay, that's really, really good. Thank you very much. Um, staying on networking, just one, one more yeah. question. Did, did you find sort of industry networking, such as uh, events and things like that, as useful as networking with contractors? Or would you, do you have a preference? Um, I'd say, say, think they sort of come hand in hand, really. I yeah. mean, um, you get events, uh, conferences, things like that. There was a great thing that I did with Assurity Consulting, which CBRE and other companies they do a lot of water management and fire risk assessments and things like that right. and great company and yeah. they did a um a kind of mock trial um in in a building mm. uh, where they just basically did this mock trial where a fire had happened I think they were sort of mocking up that someone had died i think in this fire or there was major major problems people had sort of life-threatening injuries and stuff um, and they just went through the whole trial, how it would happen and what the FM's role would be in that. Mm. And it's, wow, opens your eyes. Really? It really does. And it's and it's a great networking opportunity as well. Lots of people there from lots of other companies and stuff. And, and yeah, and they do one on water management, which I'd like to do at some stage. But yeah, but yeah it's, it's a really... So you're killing, really a, thing you're, to you're, do. Kill, you're killing a couple of birds with, two, with a stone there, aren't you? you know, because exactly. You're, you're yeah. learning as well, hasn't it? Yeah, yeah, learning so. on that and then sitting and, and then getting on with um, networking and meeting new people. And, yeah, and, yeah. And, and in that, at the end of it, there's coffees or lunch or whatever, but then you're chatting to these people around these tables and you're just sort of bouncing things off, of, off yeah. each other. And it's, yeah, I think it's great. So, yeah, networking, I've got lots of people I used to work with, stay in touch with. Yep. Um, there's normally some Christmas drinks towards the end of the years where lots of managing agents get together um, and and it's great to catch up with old colleagues and, and that. That sounds like a great opportunity to meet new guests for wear many hats, to be honest well, with you, right? You know? <laughs> You should invite us along. Well, I'm all friends on LinkedIn, so they'll they'll be listening to it. Over, so. <laughs> yeah, we'll be, me and Ethan will be there dishing out cars. Want to come on the podcast? <laughs> we'll buy you a beer. <laughs> okay, brilliant. Well, listen, Blair, tell us a little bit about you then, outside of work. You know, who are you? What do you like doing? Outside of work. So, um, so recently, well, recently, just over a year ago, moved completely from... Uh, Upsticks. I used to live in Weybridge in Surrey. Right. Lived there for about twenty-seven years. Yeah. Um, in the same little masonette, and uh, right. um, me and the wife sort of decided that we'd actually uh, Upsticks and move by the seaside. Really? Um, so we moved down to Goring by Sea in right. Worthing, sort of just down the coast from Brighton. Yeah. Um, we've been there, yeah, sort of about eighteen months now. Is it nice? Um, bought a project. Didn't yeah. want to buy a project, but we bought a project. <laughs> so, well, this is where this technical, this technical well, knowledge is going to come yeah. in handy, Blaine. And it's this thing as well. I remember my wife saying to me that, um, like, once with the sort of sale completed and we got the keys, she said, "You just went into FM mode. And you yeah. just like, well, I've sorted this out, sorted that. This tracker, blah, 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 bang." And yeah, everyone was lined up. Contractor doing this, contractor doing that. Yeah. Um, we went on holiday that we'd had booked for a little while. 
um, and the plasterer came in while we were away because it was going to be a messy job because we had to yeah. replaster every single ceiling in the whole house. Oh god, really? It was all wood chip and stuff. So, wow. um, so yeah, no, it's, it's been amazing though. But I mean, yeah, we're getting there. We've kind of getting excited about getting some carpet before Christmas, which is very exciting. <laughs> oh, right. So the, the project still isn't finished. <laughs> it's not finished. No, no, no. Oh, not finished. God, Eighteen months. Wow. But yeah, I, I think we did a hell of a lot in the first six months. Yeah. Um, as in sort of knocking walls down and holding. you do get that though. You get the initial. Yeah, 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 let's get it burst. done. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then afterwards, you're like, yeah, oh, yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> He's like, oh, I've been looking at that wall for six months. Yeah, yeah. I will sort it. I promise. Yeah, but I mean, yeah, it's the best thing we've ever done because it's it's amazing living by the sea. Yeah, in the summer, even in the winter as well. But in the summer, it's fantastic. Just the winter's, go down. A, bit, the winter's a bit rougher though, isn't it? That's it is cool. a bit rougher. But mind you, it's the south coast. I'm talking about the northeast. You know well, mean? exactly. It's not right yeah, down not, here, that. <laughs> but but I mean, a thing that makes it better in terms of winter and stuff is that you can get your massive dry robe on and yeah. wrap up warm and everything. I love. I much prefer being cold and regulating my temperature that way rather than being absolutely roasting hot and there's well, nothing you can do. As it. I say to my wife all the time, you cannot take your skin off. You know exactly, I mean? exactly. You wish you could sometimes, <laughs> didn't you? Yeah, 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 yeah. The skin does not come off. Yeah, you know? but it's, yeah, it's the, it's the uh, I think it's the best thing we ever did. Okay. It's fantastic living really? down there and yeah. having that way of life and, yeah, in the summer. Get the little portable barbecue out and go and sit on the beach after work and yeah. have a glass of wine. I will, I will await my invite, Blaine. There you go. You're more than welcome. Down to the, the Casa de Calabi. You might have to bring a paintbrush or something. But That's all right, mate. I'm, hey, listen, there's not many people that can cut in freehand like I can. Oh, yeah. Oh, mate, I'm skilled with a toothbrush. <laughs> right. Not a toothbrush, a paintbrush. In, in, you're a toothbrush, I don't do that. That doesn't take forever. I know, I know, I know. You've just got an image of me there with a Colgate toothbrush doing that. <laughs> okay, mate. Um, anything else you like doing outside of work when you're uh, not renovating the house? King golfer. Yeah. I haven't played for a little while because house takes priority and as soon as we get a free weekend we're painting or doing something. But no, um but no, I haven't played for a couple of years. But yeah, I used to used to play three times a week many years ago. Did you? Um used to absolutely love it. But what's, what's yeah, in COVID post? times I taught my wife how to play. So, Did you? so we started um, yeah, we started playing. That's a nice thing uh, to do together, together as nice. well. Though, yeah, it's it? great. Yeah, cool. it's really, really good. But to be fair, great hobby for husband and wife. Oh yeah, 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 it's great. Just get good out fitness of it. as well. And the, the thing as well, because having a, a round of golf if you do 18 hours it'll take a good like four or five hours yeah then if you're out away from home that long it's tricky because it can take up a massive part of your weekend but if yeah, you're yeah. doing it with your wife that's fantastic you get out and you can play different courses all over the place yeah so. yeah quality time yeah nice go on holiday and everything's fantastic a few beers so, absolutely yeah absolutely. a few wines a few vinos I made the mistake of trying to be good once and thinking right I won't take beers in my bag I'll take some G&T's oh man those cans of G&T are pretty strong oh yeah yeah <laughs> I had yeah. three of them I couldn't <laughs> see, see the bloody ball off <laughs> You and your wife ended up passed out in a sandbox. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. The ball's here somewhere. I bet you had a bloody good time, though. Absolutely. Yeah, it was good fun. It was good fun. But... Okay. Well, listen, that brings us to the end of the podcast, Blake. Right, How did you find it? Yeah, really good. Really good. Enjoy it? Yeah. Always okay. love talking about myself. Yeah, well, you did a bloody good job, mate. <laughs> Hopefully. <laughs> no, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on. Thank you for inviting um, me. Thank you for, for taking the time. And... Um, We'll see you again shortly. Great stuff. Thank you. All right, Webinary House listeners, that's the end of another episode. Um, really, really good one. Definitely worth waiting five months. Um, kind of. Okay. <laughs> but we will see you next time on the next episode. Take care, guys. Bye.